Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Eva Edel survived the Nazi extermination camps when she was a child. But then she came to America and became a pro-life protester. At age 87, she may go to jail for the rest of her life here in America. Here's her interview. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. On today's show, we are going to recap an interview we did five years ago because the name Eva Edel is back in the news today. This past week, she was uh, named and indicted as one of the 11 pro-life protesters in Juliet, Tennessee, where they are now sending six of them to federal prison for up to 11 years. Eva Edel is also charged with violating the FACE Act, the Obstructing Freedom of Access to Abortion Clinic Entrances, and she is protecting pro-life, uh, the movement, but protecting innocent children from abortion. Now in America, Joe Biden and his Department of Injustice could send her to jail at age 87 for the rest of her life. So she survived the Nazi extermination camps in the Holocaust, but now in America, she won't survive perhaps the injustice of the Biden administration prosecuting peaceful protesters who are protecting babies from abortion. Here now is a recap of my interview five years ago with Eva Edel. I'm Dr. Chaps. I'm joined now by Eva Edel, who is 84 years old and has been in the pro-life movement for 50 years since 1968. Eva, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I'm honored to meet you because you have an interesting story. You were in uh, Nazi Germany in World War II when you were a little child, and you were a survivor of one of the concentration camps. Well, actually, I was in Yugoslavia, yes. which is now Serbia, of German ancestors. Yes. However, a Yugoslavian citizen. Yes. And uh, in retaliation to Nazi Germany's invasion, the government, which was set up towards the end of the war by the Allies, which was Marshal Tito and a communist, to please spell it. So they set up this government in 1944. Yes. And this government decided to exterminate every citizen, man, woman, child, baby, because they, first of all, I think they wanted our possessions yes. and needed a good excuse. So in retaliation to the Nazi invasion, they exterminated all ethnic German citizens of the country. Oh my gosh. And so you were with your parents? How old were you at that time? I was nine at the time. The Germans had taken my father away. We never saw him again. The Russians had taken my mother and my grandfather away. And in the meantime, then the communist, newly established communist government decided to exterminate the rest of us. So they were mostly children and old people. So you were an orphan at age nine. Well, seemingly an orphan. Yeah. Yes. But God adopted you. Yes. And <laughs> God took care of you. Well, as it turned out, I really didn't lose my mother. Oh, you, yeah. you were reunited later. Yes. How did that happen? Well, uh, she escaped. 
she was um, digging trenches for the Russian soldiers. And as far as I know, the Germans had my daddy on the other side. The yeah. Yeah. So she escaped and she came back to our area and found out that all the children and everybody had been uh, arrested and taken to different labor camps and extermination camps. So if you're younger than 12 years old, you were not useful for labor. Yeah. So, and if you were sick, they, they were slated for extermination camp. My brother was 12, my sister was 15, so they were put into various labor camps. And they went they, to labor camps, but you went to an extermination I camp. I was placed in the extermination camp, and the ones from the labor camps with, who uh, uh, got sick or too tired to work, they were brought to our camps. So as the people died daily, they were replaced with others. So why were you not exterminated? Because I escaped. <laughs> oh, you were smart. <laughs> no, my mother. Yeah. My dear mother escaped. And uh, she uh, dropped before a cross, from what I understand through her, and asked the Lord to let her find her children or let her die. Oh, wow. I had a lioness for a mother. She was only less than five feet tall. But she was a prayer warrior. Yes. Well, she, yes, she took her faith seriously. Yeah. Even though she was Catholic, and some people think you can't be Catholic and born again, and I always joke, there are real born-again believers in the Catholic Church, and there are baptized heathens in the Baptist Church. <laughs> yes. We're not immune from our own heresies. I agree. So because of your praying mother, God saved you. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long did you stay in Europe after that? Um as a total, I, I spent several months in the death camp. My mother escaped. She uh, broke in and out of camps till she had my brother and sister and me. Oh my. So you escaped the camp, and then where did you go? Well, we had to walk through Hungary, which was occupied by the Russians, and make our way to Austria. Austria was divided up. So we were placed in the camps in the spring of 45. The camps were opened in 1944. Yeah. They were not dissolved in that, until 1948 when everybody was dead. 5,000 children, I understand, were still alive. They were gassed. But uh, we escaped them in the, in the fall of 1946. Yeah. And... Uh, Austria, after the war, had been divided up between the Allies, Russia, uh, England, uh, uh, yeah, America, yeah. and the French. Right. So we got into the English zone. They were overrun by Eastern European ethnic Germans that had been expelled. Wow. And uh, so they didn't know what to do with us. They had no food themselves, hardly. Yeah. So the English, in the English zone where we ended up, uh, they... Uh, had an old German uh, prison of war camp in the mountains. So that's where they shipped us. And I was so emaciated. <laughs> so they fed me cod liver oil and, and oatmeal to try to fatten me up again. Wow. My legs were like like yeah. my arms, you yeah. know. So that's that's better treatment there. And we, we stayed in that refugee camp for eight years. And you survived there? Well, that we after a while, we worked on our, you know, my mother. Yeah. We, we were free there. Yeah. We were free there. We just didn't have any place to live. Yeah. You know? So that became your home for eight years. Eight years before we were coming. 
could come here as refugees. Yes. Legally, didn't expect that I'm from the government. Yeah. Had to have a job ready for us. You had yeah. to have a sponsor. Worked in the factory yeah. when we got here and never, never expected anything from the government. What a story. So that's just the beginning of how Eva came to America. We're going to take a short break and then we'll discuss what happened when she got here. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. I'm Dr. Chaps. We want you to sign a petition today to stand with Israel. They are under such attack with Arabs and Muslims killing Jews. But here is the Bible territory that God promised to the Israeli and Jewish people. Even in 1993, in the Oslo Accords, Yasser Arafat agreed, these are the current borders of Israel and it's their land. Let's sign that petition, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, PrayInJesusName.org, sign it today. I'm Dr. Chaps. Do you wanna get free news alerts faster than everybody else? Do you wanna get invitations to private events to come meet me in person? Do you wanna get a free religious freedom window decal? Pick up your phone, it's right there by your hand, and text this word, text the word PRAY to 24365. Text the word PRAY to 24365 and we'll sign you up. Then call us at 866-OBEY-GOD, again that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D, to get a free religious freedom sticker. Call today. Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps, joined again by pro-life activist Eva Edel, who is an American citizen, but you came from Europe uh, right around the time I'm doing the math here when you're about uh, 18 or 19 years old. Almost 20 at the time. You were 20. Mm -hmm. And what is your first memory of coming to America? (laughs) Well, after living in the refugee camp in Austria for eight years with very little food, coming here and going to the grocery, I thought I was in the promised land. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, uh, I saw oranges and I saw ice cream and all those things. Couldn't afford it in Austria. Yeah. And eventually you met the man who would become your husband. Yes. And tell me about that and how many children did you have? Okay. Well, my brother and uh, my future husband were in Korea together. Yes. And my husband-to-be saw my picture. He was released before my brother and came every night to report on him. Yeah. And he ch- chased me long enough to I said yes. Oh, good. <laughs> so we married, and I, we have three children, and yes. a total of 10 grandchildren. So what year did you become a pro-life activist, and what does it mean for you to stop abortion? First time I heard abortion was when I took an English course trying to improve myself and we had to do public speaking and so the lady was trying to argue that uh, we should legalize abortion. I asked what that word meant and they said it's to stop a pregnancy and instinctively everybody knew I knew. I said that's murder. So my public speech was that simple science shows you that when an egg and sperm meet the human life begins, Yes. and you don't need a head or feet or anything. You are human from that moment on, and to kill that human being after that is murder. It went over like a lead balloon. Oh, no, your teacher didn't like this? <laughs> Nobody liked it. Oh. <laughs> well, or at least they were too shocked about what I said. I don't know. Yes. And my English wasn't that good, so maybe I did a poor job. 
But after that, I just couldn't remain silent anymore. I embarrassed my husband a lot. Really? Why? Well, I, I brought the subject up. It was such a taboo subject, don't forget, yes. in those days. Yes. Nobody talked about it. What year was this? 68, uh, and then... Uh, uh, that's when I just brought the subject up. In 73, I heard that abortion was legalized, and I, I felt that I could solve the whole problem by opening up a home for unwed mothers. Little did I know that it was really rampant already then. Wow. So did you open a home like that? No. Uh, uh, as a result, a crisis pregnancy was established in my hometown. <clears throat> I, yeah. So what is a crisis pregnancy center? It is a center where women are offered, families are offered any kind of help possible that we can give them to take away any pressure that they can't have a baby. So if a, if a single mom is pregnant and maybe she has no money or maybe her boyfriend or her, her family wants her to kill the child, she can get refuge at a crisis pregnancy Absolutely. center. Absolutely. Uh, housing is provided. Uh, food is provided. The only thing that we hesitate to give is cash only because yeah. there has to be oversight and, and accountability. Okay. So you also began protesting or proclaiming the gospel outside of abortion clinics. Yes, and uh, I never protest. I tell people I go to those clinics like a, a fireman goes to the fire. He doesn't go to protest the fire. He goes to save lives and put the fire out. So you're a rescuer. Well, uh, as even when I'm praying there at the clinic, I'm not protesting abortion. No. I am interceding for the women's hearts to be opened by the Holy Spirit so they, they will understand that there is help and they, they won't feel trapped because Satan, the serpent, is lying to them. And our culture has lied to them now for years and saying, you decide what is right and wrong. I watched it happen in America. It started yeah. in the 50s by saying there is no absolute truth. And after that, values clarification where you decide what's right for you. And now this serpent lie is, is established in people's minds. In fact, the other day I talked to a young man who brought his girlfriend for an abortion. And I said, you know... It, we are working to outlaw abortion again. You mean that was sometime in illegal? Of course, I said. He knew nothing about that. Yeah. That's how they grew up. But unless we outlaw it again, it stays a national sin. The blood guilt is not on the person alone who kills. Yeah. It's on the whole nation. And people don't understand that. They say, we, I do what I want as long as I don't hurt anybody else. Any abortion that's performed, is the uh, brings destruction on all the citizens of our country. Yes. Because the innocent blood cries out for justice. Eva, when was the first time you were arrested by the police in America, and what happened? Well, it, I saw on TV uh, a group of people being arrested in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1988, in the, in the summer. And I found out there were abortion clinics. I didn't know about them because it's always hushed up, Yeah, you know. And so uh, when I saw that, I told, told my husband, these are the American death camps, honey. So I asked him if I could go and uh, try to save some lives. I liken it to 
See, when we were shipped on the cattle car into the death camp, uh, I, I liken it to putting my body on top of those railroad tracks and pleading for them not to take the victims into the camp. So you're comparing the American abortion mill, which is sometimes Planned Parenthood or other abortion clinics, you're comparing that to the death camps, the concentration camps. What's the difference? The babies are called non-human, right? Yeah. We were called non-human. All of a sudden, from one decree by a stroke of a pen, I was a citizen with all the rights, and then they said we were animals less than human because we had German ancestry. See, if you want to eliminate somebody, any government, all they have to do is separate you out and demonize you. Yeah. And, and so the others won't feel threatened. And once you're not a human then the, the government can kill you. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. <gasps> When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. Now's the time to go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your MyPillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com. Defending your religious freedom, here is Dr. Chaps. See, last year there were only 13 of us who put our bodies in front of the door of the abortion clinic on the railroad track, so to speak. In Louisville. In Louisville. So you're now with Operation Save America. Mm-hmm. You've been coming to these conferences for many years, mm-hmm. and they hold a different uh, event in a different city every year. And you come here to Indianapolis now, all the way from South Carolina, to spend your summer vacation standing and, outside of abortion. And my clinics. money. And your money. What happened in Louisville last year? Well, uh, we, 13 of us, finally said, we have been 45 years, uh, abortion has happened, there are 60 million babies who have been slaughtered. We finally need to put our bodies on the railroad tracks. But if 13 people had laid their bodies on the railroad tracks in my country, the train would have rolled right over them. Had there been thousands of on that railroad track, the government would have to notice. And so, since last week, uh, last year, I've been calling people. If you are able to get close to a thousand people together who are willing to put their body in front of the clinic door, I will join anyone as long as they're peaceful. Because I believe in our culture, where human life is so devalued, it's not even worth the. the the value of a pair of sneakers to some people, if yes. they want it. And human life in the womb has no value at all to people. Uh, the only way America maybe understand the value of the unborn life inside the woman, if we are willing 
to give our life as born people instead of those unborn lives. So you were in Louisville last year, and maybe this is the 43rd time that you were arrested. How long did you spend in jail? The longest I was sentenced to was a year. The longest time I served was 31 days. But they were always used very, very well. People got saved. Yeah. (laughs) So when you go into jail because you're arrested for being pro-life, what do you say to your fellow inmates? Well, I'm usually quiet, and I let them see my life and my demeanor and start asking questions. And then I'll tell them. And they always ask questions. Yes. What do they want to know? Well, the first time I was placed in in Atlanta, I got a year sentence there. And even in the when they put you from one cell to the other, you know, until they transport you to their pod, so to speak. In the first cell, there were several ladies, but they were taken out right away, and three were left. Uh, One was asleep, and I got to talking to the others. I was still dressed pretty with high heels from court, you know. And they thought I was a lawyer, so they started asking questions because I just sat down like they were, you know. And and I talked to them, and the outcome was one rededicated her life to the Lord, and the other one got saved. Praise God. And so that went all the way up to the, I was in a pod of 50 women in one room, and uh, there again, the question started. It started with one young woman who circled me, kind of looking very darkly at me, you know. Yeah. And she finally blurted out, so what are you here for? Kind of in that tone of voice. And I said, why do you ask? Your face. What about my face? It shines. She said, it shines. <laughs> I love that. And so I talked to her. I was eventually, after two years or so, late lead her to the Lord. I followed her in, the, in Georgia from prison to prison while she was doing the rest of her sentences. And finally, uh, she gave her life to the Lord. So you were an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Always. That's my heart. You were also an intercessor. And I wonder, uh, when I met you today, you talked about praying, praying, being in the presence of God, even at the abortion clinic. Talk about being in the throne room of God. Why is that important to you? First of all, we have to connect with the Lord. We can't just spout prayers from our mind. No. So you calm yourself till you get into the present. And you know when you're there. Yeah. And then you start asking. When you, when you read chapter 17 in the Gospel of John, what a beautiful example of how the Lord Jesus talked to his Father. Yeah. And I just make my requests known with thanksgiving. Know that he will do what is right. And you were doing that today in Indianapolis. You were interceding on a public sidewalk outside of Planned Parenthood. And what happened today? There was a woman who came out. A woman came out. I I wasn't part of that scene. uh, From what I heard, she came out. She was very angry and very upset and, and, and sort of argued with some people, especially with a man. And, uh, you know, I don't want a man. turned out that some of the other ladies, the young kids, the young children, there was a young girl, she, she was preaching on the mic and, and calling out to the ladies before, because they can hear you inside the clinic. And she was pleading with them to come out or help them, and there's hope. She was even pleading with the abortionists, because we want them safe. We have big microphones and, yeah. and loudspeakers, mm-hmm. and so... 
they come out to the streets sometimes to talk to us. Yeah, sometimes they talk and sometimes to argue. This one came to argue. Okay. So this young lady and other ladies uh, started talking to her, shook her hand, and she softened and softened and softened. And you were there praying. Yes, yes. That's my job. You think maybe God was working on her heart? That's what I depend on, yes. Because we can we can intellectually say so many things that never reach the heart. Yeah. But with God's Holy Spirit, the words will penetrate. And without intercession, it's all just mental gymnastics. So when the Holy Spirit comes and he softens this woman's heart, what, how did she change? What happened to her? <laughs> she went back, got into her car, and came out with the biggest smile. Really? Yes. Wow. Do you think maybe she's going to... She was not there for an abortion. Okay, I don't know if it, even if I should say it in public, but she had been raped oh my. another time and had an abortion. Well, I would be angry too. And she was very angry at men. Okay. Yeah. So, but numbers were exchanged and now fallout will happen. Well, praise God. And we're just praying that she will totally surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Not halfway. You know, he's not... Lord of all. Yeah. If he's not, then he's not Lord at all. I mean, he's Lord. You know, Eva, there's probably somebody watching on our program today that maybe they resonate with your story. And I wonder if you would lead them in a word of prayer. Yes. Come to me before the throne room of God in the holy name of Jesus. We approach you, Lord, by the blood of Jesus. We have no other access to you, Father. So, Father, I just pray right now, anyone who is seeing this program and uh, is praying with me, I pray that each one will have a revelation, if they don't know you fully yet, of who you are, Father, and who our Savior, Jesus Christ, is. And that we don't Earn our way to heaven, but it's the blood of Jesus which paid for us. So, Father, I pray that each and every one praying with me will come to know Jesus so intimately that he will be there all in all. In any situation, Lord, you showed that even when you're totally helpless, when we depend on you and nothing else, you're able to do mighty miracles like you did in my life. I thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be eloquent. I thank you that the Holy Spirit will interpret our prayers to the Father, and it will come to your throne room in perfection, Lord. So, Lord, I pray a blessing over each and every one that is watching this program. I bless their families in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, my request is, that not one of them will be lost, and generations to come will be saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Eva, thank you for coming on the program today. It's my pleasure. Our website is PrayInJesusName.org. If you prayed with Eva right now, I want you to pick up the phone and call us at 866-Obey-God. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you next time. 
Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray in Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll-free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.